So all the while the baby is learning, oh, if I give really good suck burst, it's going to turn on this music, which draws my attention. It sounds really nice. I like that sound. I'm going to do this more often. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Megan, the owner of Heartstrings Music Therapy Services, about ways that music can help along our journey into motherhood from the NICU and beyond. Welcome to Entering Motherhood, and I am so happy and excited to have you here. So if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yes, thank you so much. My name is Megan Donnells. I'm a board-certified music therapist, and I own Heartstrings Music Therapy Services that serves um, in the upstate of South Carolina in the Greenville area, and I provide individual and group music therapy sessions. So music therapy is um, not as well known in South Carolina as it is in other places in the United States. Um, South Carolina is a little bit behind the times, (laughs) as with a lot of things. Um, And so any place that I have the opportunity to advocate for music therapy services, I am very appreciative of. So I'm very excited to be here and to talk about what I do. Yeah, I'm really excited to just hear more about what you do and how it works and dive all into that because I think it's, I love music. I absolutely think it's something that can help heal us and and do wonders so I think the work that you do is extremely needed and and unique but uh, definitely something that I think more people need to hear about yes I agree Um, I think probably the first place to start would be what is music therapy that's the question that I get asked probably the most um Sometimes people will see me, I'll I'll walk into a session or to a facility and I'll have my guitar on my back and a bag full of instruments and someone might say, oh, there's the music lady or what are you here to do? Um, And so I've got my elevator speech down um, pretty well, I think, but I'd like to start with the definition, which is music therapy is an established healthcare profession which provides clinical and evidence-based use of music interventions to accomplish individualized goals within a therapeutic relationship by a credentialed professional who has completed an improved music therapy program. Now that's a lot and it's a mouthful to say, um, but I like to describe it as it's very similar to speech therapy, occupational therapy, and physical therapy in that we are working towards therapeutic goals, very similar goals um, as other therapies would be working on, but we're using music to do that. So through the use of music-based strategies and interventions, music therapists work with individuals of all ages and abilities to master non-musical goals. So we're not necessarily teaching an instrument. Uh, We're not using really even one instrument in our sessions. Um, Some of the goals that I'll talk about today include Cognitive goals, expressive communication, being able to communicate your wants and needs, 
emotional goals, physical goals, uh, sensory needs, um, some academic goals, and cognitive skills, behavior skills. Um, but we're going to use music, instrument playing, singing, songwriting uh, to work towards those goals. Uh, a little bit of background of me, I guess, and how I kind of got into music therapy, um, because it is so not well known in South Carolina. There's really only two schools that offer a degree in music therapy. Uh, so I have a bachelor's degree in music therapy, and then I have a board certification. Um, I'm a board certified music therapist through the certification board for music therapy. Um, and the two schools that offer it in South Carolina are Converse College in Spartanburg and Charleston Southern in Charleston. And <laughs> there are um, some private practices, like my private practice. Um, I own Heartstrings Music Therapy Services. And with that being said, I'm able to serve people of all ages at any walk of life. I also have an additional certification um, as a NICU music therapist, that's neonatal intensive care unit mu music therapist. Um, so I do work in there, as well as in memory care facilities, nursing homes, and other medical settings. Right now, my caseload is uh, made up of individual clients, and some of their diagnoses include autism, um, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, other intellectual disabilities. Um, I also do group services, so I have some contracts at some private schools and memory care facilities, and um, I work with, um, I think my youngest individual client right now is two years old, and anywhere through two years old to my oldest individual client right now is mid-20s, and then I do older adult groups, and then, of course, the work that I do in the NICU. I provide in-home services, so I go into clients' homes, as well as I have a clinic space. If you're um, familiar with the Greenville area, it is right off of Woodruff Road. Uh, I have a treatment room, and our newest addition is our sensory room, and it's located inside the Golden Strip School of Music. On, on Garlington Road, it's right off of Woodruff Road in Greenville. So what can we kind of expect from a session? Yes, that's a great question. Um, so music therapy is completely goal-oriented and it's client-centered. That means that all of the interventions and activities that we do are geared towards meeting the client's goals. Um, like I mentioned earlier, some of the goals can include expressive communication, behavior skills, social skills, things like that. So um, for example, if I have a client who is diagnosed with autism, one goal might be expressive communication. So being able to accurately and appropriately express their wants and needs, because uh, that's important, right? You need to be able to communicate um, when you need to go to the bathroom or when you're hungry or thirsty. And so I work with several individuals who are nonverbal, um, and their ages range from three years old to, you know, into their teens. Um, and so we work together to find other ways for them to communicate their wants and needs. We might use sign language, gestures, um, some have assistive technology devices, but to work on expressive communication, I would use preferred songs. So if I'm working with um, a client who is two years old or three years old, I might use 
um, Old MacDonald had a farm or um, the farmer in the Dell, and we would work on vowel sounds, vocal sounds, and verbalization. Um, so we would use that music to work on increasing those sounds to, to later work on um, word utterances. So being able to sing or speak one word and then increase that to two words and then increase that to sentences to be able to communicate their wants and needs. Uh, so another example of, of goals that I work on in sessions, um, I have a client who is diagnosed with cerebral palsy and has limited mobility of their hands and upper body, so their arms. Um, their goals would be increasing their gross motor skills, being able to um, cross midline, so taking one arm over to the other side of their body um, in front of them. So I would use, it's an activity called therapeutic instrumental music playing, TIMP for short. And what it does is I have two hand drums that I'm holding and the client has uh, drumsticks in their hand, whether they're adapted or they're holding them on their own. And so we're going to use preferred a preferred song. Most of the time it's an upbeat song, something that kind of makes you want to dance. So they're going to play the drum whenever they see it pop up in front of them. So I'm going to be moving the drum all over, around, we're going to play it up and down. Um, and we're working towards them increasing their mobility of their arms and their upper body um, and also crossing midline, so crossing in front of them. Um, that addresses goals like bilateral coordination. There's lots of physical goals that we can work on. Um, and other things that we can work on would be social skills, being able to um, interact with peers, maybe not so much during this time, uh, during COVID, but um, maybe it's even more important now because um, I'm getting a lot of younger clients who have not been socializing and so they are having difficulty in social situations. So making music together, um, some of the types of activity, activities that we do uh, would be instrument playing. So I have lots and lots of percussion instruments that I bring to sessions. We play instruments and I play guitar. We sing favorite songs, uh, lots of movement to music. So we're working on interacting with each other. Maybe we're in a group setting. I do um, some groups. It's called Tiny Tots Music Therapy Sessions. Um, uh, yes, it's very fun. And we were actually able to do some um, right before the holidays, and we were able to do them outside in a backyard, which was really fun. We did lots of activities, like sing favorite songs. We played instruments. Um, I love songbooks. Um, so I have songbooks like Old MacDonald Had a Farm and Brown Bear, Brown Bear. Um, and we also use a lot of nursery rhymes, which have those beginning uh, language in it. Um, which is great for, for working on developmental milestones. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, this is, you know, you're, you're working with kids, but, you know, those kids have parents and, and those moms, I'm sure are, you know, like so thankful for the work that you're doing, because I feel like it can be hard when, you know, you can't, communicate with your child, you know, you're able 
to help them through music to to get there and improve. And it's a fun way to move and interact and gain social skills and and verbal skills. So I think, you know, that as a as a mom, like that's something that's so I guess like a stress reducer in a way. Yes, absolutely. You're um, 100% correct. And that's that's kind of why we, we do what we do. Music is fun and motivating. And in music therapy, we're working so hard on these non-musical goals, but we're having fun doing it. And most of the time, you know, our clients aren't even realizing that they're working so hard because they're just having fun and making music and interacting with others to make music. Um, I think, which is incredibly rewarding for me, but also for families as well. Um, because I've run into, you know, almost with all of my clients, I'll have moms and families tell me that, you know, their child gets upset. You know, maybe it's a, a certain situation or they get upset and they don't know why they're upset. Uh, a lot of times it's because the child doesn't know how to express what they're feeling. Um, you know, maybe they are overstimulated or they just have so much going on and they don't know how to express, you know, I'm feeling this way. Some of the things that we can do in music therapy is to work on being able to express what they need or express what they want. Uh, We work a lot on emotional expression, but also being able to identify emotions. And I think that's really important, um, especially for, for parents to realize is Um, you know, that kiddos go through a lot and being able to process those emotions um, and be able to, you know, tell mom or dad, why, why am I feeling this way? And and what do I need? And what's going to make it better uh, is really important. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Rosie's starting to kind of, she, she loves music and dance. And right now she's extremely in the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So there's like this hot dog song that hot comes dog, on. Hot dog, hot diggity dog. Yeah. <laughs> and she has to get up and dance when that song comes on. So she like, hot dog, hot dog. And her little cute kind of like mumbled words. It's not clear, but we know what she's saying. Right. And, right. Exactly. Um, she just stomps her feet and it's like the cutest thing. But, um, you know, like they don't they don't realize that you know they're moving their body and that they're doing something and and it's just fun for them. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And and music goes back, you know, even before them being able to walk or talk. Um music can, you know, obviously start when the baby's in the womb, but also more specifically in the work that I do in the NICU. Um But I do have a question first. Um, What is your earliest memory of music? Me? Yes. Oh, man. Um, Well, so I danced when I was younger. Okay. And I started when I was two. Okay. So I, I believe, like, one of my first, like, recitals was a tap dance and I can remember wearing this little leotard with a sparkly band and all I was doing was kind of uh shuffling my feet back and forth 
forth to the music. So I okay. I was very kind of like attracted to music. My sister is two years older than me and she was taking class and I would sit in the back and watch her. And I think they weren't signing kids up until three or four, but okay. I was following along. So they let right. me join. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's really young. Um, most of the time I get people like, oh, I remember when I was in the car singing along. Um, but my next question is, how did you learn the ABCs? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Through a song, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, obviously it was like the ABC song. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which, uh, if anyone doesn't know, it's the same tune of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Or Baba Black Sheep. changing it. Is I did true? too. I have heard that. <laughs> But I refuse. And I refuse because it is so important. That tune is yeah. is so important. And, you know, it has the beginning signs of language development in it. Um, and so I don't think that it ever needs to be changed. And I won't change it personally. Yeah. Um, I don't even know the, the new way. I don't. I think it's... A very similar tune. They're just changing it a little bit. So I don't think it'll stick. Um, yeah. Especially because, I mean, that's that's how everyone learns the ABCs. And right. I could probably say them without singing the song, but it's just so innate now that I have yep. to sing the song. Yep. And, and that kind of goes back to, especially before t learning how to talk, um, learning your ABCs, learning how to um, say them and identify letters. Those are things that we work on in music therapy as well. Um, but it is to the tune of a nursery rhyme song, which in the work that I do in, in the NICU, it wor it looks a little bit different than, actually it looks a lot different than what I do in individual sessions or in group sessions. Um, and there are two major things that we work on in the NICU, and we use nursery rhymes to do that. I'll explain more about that. But uh, the two major interventions or activities or therapeutic processes that we do in the NICU is one, we work on non-nutritive sucking. And then the other one is an intervention called multimodal stimulation. So I'll go back to the first one, the non-nutritive sucking. One of the most important things, and probably the most important thing before when a baby is um, goes to the NICU and is born prematurely, is they have to be able to feed, whether it's with mom or with a bottle, before they go home, right? I don't think any NICUs will let babies go home unless they are accurately and appropriately feeding. And so one of the things that we work on is non-nutritive sucking. And there is a device, it's called a PAL, P-A-L. It's a pacifier-activated lullaby. And what it does, it's really cool. I think it's it still kind of blows my mind, but I've I've been able to work with it. And um, so what it does, it attaches to a baby's pacifier. And it you can go in and set it to different settings, but it records suck burst and it records um, the intensity of the baby's suck. And so, for example, say that I can go into the device and I set it to... Um, the baby needs to do one good suck burst, which would be multiple sucks in a row, and it needs to be at the intensity level three. And say that baby needs to do it, 
have two suck bursts at a level three. So if the baby does two good suck bursts at a level three, it's going to turn on the device and activate it, and it's going to play 10 seconds of a nursery rhyme. Uh, most of the time, it's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or a nursery rhyme similar to that. It doesn't have any lyrics. It's just going to be the instrumental version. So it's going to turn on for 10 seconds, and then it's going to turn off. And so then the baby has to, again, do two good suck bursts at a level three before it activates the music again. So all the while the baby is learning, oh, if I give really good suck burst, it's going to turn on this music, which draws my attention. It sounds really nice. I like that sound. I'm going to do this more often. So the goal is that the music will continuously play. And if the music starts to continuously play, it means that the baby is accomplishing those goals. So then we would go into the device and increase the intensity or increase the suck burst um, to where that baby's getting that instant reward, right? The music is continuously turning on. Um, so that being the goal. And then, you know, when mom comes in and it's time to feed, baby has been learning how to give good suck burst and to um, suck at a level that they need to in order to feed um, by receiving motivation and positive reinforcement from this music, then they're able to feed with mom, which in turn um, shortens their hospital stay. They can go home, they're feeding great, um, and they can go home and continue to develop. Yeah, wow. I mean, that just kind of blew my mind thinking, you know, music can be an instant reward and something that's you know so soothing and just kind of oh I like this I want to do that again so that I can hear more music yes absolutely and there are ways um, because there are not many hospitals that have a PAL um, it's not very hard to get and it's um, it's not a new device but um, the only hospitals that I have been um, able to use a PAL with was in Florida and then Tennessee. I don't know if there are any hospitals or NICUs in South Carolina. There might be in Columbia. Um, there are music therapists that work strictly in the NICU in Columbia at Prisma. Um, and I'm not sure if they have a PAL, but you're also able to do this with live music. Um, and by you're able to do this, obviously, if the baby is feeding with mom, um, but also you can put your finger right just place it right on the pacifier and you're able to feel obviously it's not gonna um, record the data like the device would but you can feel if the baby is giving a good suck burst and is um, you know sucking hard enough to be able to get nutrients and then the other uh, intervention I think is is where my heart lies but it's a intervention called multimodal stimulation and it is um, a lot of stimulation. So it's coupling auditory stimulation, tactile stimulation, visual and vestibular stimulation all together into one big activity or intervention. It doesn't typically take longer than 20 minutes. Most of the time it's about 10 minutes. Um, and this is something that I work with moms in the NICU and then even outside of the NICU um, because it's, it's really good and it's beneficial for um, babies who've been born prematurely, but also it's really great for parent bonding. And one of the things that I like 
in the NICU is being able to see the instant reward for me, but being able to look at the um, vitals monitors and see what I'm doing is working. You know, the baby's heart rate is going down, their oxygen levels are staying within normal limits. Um, so, with multimodal stimulation, it is, I'll, I'll talk you through the sequence. Um, it is, let's see. It's about 12 different steps, um, 12 to 15 different steps. But once you get the sequence in your head, it's pretty easy to remember the progression. So we're coupling um, auditory stimulation, so my voice humming or even singing lightly, with tactile stimulation, which is touch. There's um, a type of a massage progression. And then visual, so looking at the baby, them looking at you. If they're awake, most of the time um, they're asleep during this activity, and that is perfect. And then vestibular, which is rocking. Um, so we might do an intervention like this um, with premature babies um, because it's, it's getting the babies used to being overstimulated, but in a positive way. So if you think about it, babies who are born prematurely, they are um, continuously developing and growing, but at a fast rate, right? Um, and most of the time, you know, they're, they're in the NICU, they aren't ready to go home yet. They still have some developing to do in order for them to go home. And the goal is for the babies to rest and relax and sleep, really, because that's when they're developing the most, is when they're sleeping and they're comfortable. Um, because when a baby is overstimulated, they've got too much going on, they're upset, they're not able to calm down or return back to homeostasis. Therefore, it can, it can halt or stunt the developing process because their body is working so hard to calm them down. It's not continuing to develop. So what we do is uh, basically get the babies used to being overstimulated. Because when you go home, there's lots and lots of stimulation. Maybe there's a sibling who is very excited to see a new baby, or there's dogs barking, or, or you know, a light that's on too bright, or doors slamming, things like that. And then if a baby gets upset, um, it's going to take them a lot longer to calm down. So this type of intervention can help with that. And so what I would do is if a baby is um, in a crib, so not in an isolate. We also can do this in an isolate, um, which is a shorter version. But if a baby's in a crib, if parent is there, awesome. I will. I would talk a parent through this progression. Sometimes I have moms um, request that I do it first so they can see how it's supposed to go. Um, and I'm more than happy to do that. Um, so what I would do is pick up the baby and just hold them in my arms. I'm gonna be sitting preferably in a rocking chair if available. Um, if not, then just comfortably on a chair. And I'm gonna give the baby a few seconds to adjust from being moved. Um, because even just moving from a crib to your arms can be overstimulating. Um, so I wanna make sure that they are calm before I start anything. So once they're calm, typically it's gonna be about 30 seconds. Um, having them in my arms, I'm going to start humming and I'm going to use um, nursery rhymes. So something that is very smooth, fluid, uh, twinkle, twinkle, little star, uh, Farah Jaka, 
and it's going to be slower than you think because you don't want anything too jarring, too loud. Start with a very soft, um, a soft hum. And so I'll start humming. I'll hum for about 30 seconds. And during this whole progression, I'm looking for any signs that the baby is overstimulated. Some of those signs might be um, a grimace, a red face. So if the baby has a red face or is grimacing, um, then that's a sign of overstimulation or a halt hand. Halt hands, um, you're very much able to tell what they are. It is a stop hand. And if you lightly touch on a baby's fingers and they don't bend, then that they're telling you, stop, I can't take it right now. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> they really tell you. And I get all of my cues from the babies. Um, if they arch their back or if they get hiccups, a lot of times um, I will, you know, have friends that have babies and like, oh, they're hiccups. Well, in the NICU, if a baby gets hiccups, um, that's a sign that they're overstimulated to me. Um, so during this progression, if they show me any signs of being overstimulated, I take off the last thing that I layered. So if I get signs that they're overstimulated in the beginning, when I'm just humming, I'll stop humming and I'll just have them in my arms until they are, they are calm. And then I try it again. So this time, say I tried again. I hum for about 30 seconds. I'm going to start a tactile uh, stimulation, which is um, a light touch. It's not light enough to tickle, but it's not hard. Um, but it's, it's pretty good pressure. Uh, most of the time, babies are swaddled, so you have to apply a little bit more pressure so they can even feel it. Um, but I'm going to start on the scalp. And through this whole progression, I'm going to keep humming. I'm never going to stop humming. And I'm going to start on the back of the scalp on one side and take two fingers and just go from the back of the scalp all the way up to the forehead, just with that light touch. Um, I'm going to do that for about 10 seconds and then switch sides. And if the baby is calm and all good, then I'll continue with the progression um, and continue with my humming. I'll go to the back and the back is linear to start with. So I'll go straight down the back with two fingers. Um, humming and this tactile stimulation, the touch. And if there are no signs of overstimulation, I'll do the same thing but in a circular motion. So each of these tactile um, progressions are about 10 to 20 seconds long. Um, if you're singing or humming Farah Jaka or um, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, it's about one verse or one time through the song. And then you'll switch and you'll move on to a different part of their body. After the back is the throat, um, and I'll just go horizontally if I can get to a throat. Most of the time they're swaddled, and if you can't get to a body part like the throat, don't disrupt anything you're doing to try and do that. Just skip it and go on to the next part. Um, the next part would be arms. So I'll start with one arm, and you start at the shoulders, and you do your best and go all the way down to their hands. Um, a lot of times they're folded up in front of them, so you just kind of have to feel where the arms are. Again, about 10 seconds on each arm. Um, and then you're going to move on to the legs and do the exact same thing. Start at the hips and go all the way down to the feet. And then you'll do up to the cheeks. And as long as the baby hasn't shown you any signs of overstimulation, um, you're good to continue with your auditory, so you're humming. 
and I would stick with the same song um, that you started with. I don't typically like to change songs. If it seems to be working and there's no signs of overstimulation, I just stick with the same one. Um, twinkle, Twinkle, Farah Jaka, um, ABCs, if that helps you in your head. And then, so cheeks would be uh, like tears. Start their eyes and go down like tears on either side. Again, about 10 seconds on either side. And then the forehead would be Simba. Two fingers all the way across their head like Simba from The Lion King. Um, and then the last one is uh, nose to ears. And sometimes babies that are in the NICU have their oxygen in. Um, and if they do, that's fine. You can go right over the top of it. Or for nose to ears, you can just follow it along on their cheeks all the way to their ears. Um, again, it's about 10 seconds on each side. Um, so that's the the touch, the tactile progression. Um, and you're continuing with your humming. So at the end of the tactile stimulation, if you haven't seen any signs of overstimulation, the baby is cool and calm. Um, you can also look for uh, responses and reinforcers or, or positive responses. So head orientation, if the baby kind of nuzzles into you or turns their head towards you, that's a positive sign. Or smiling. Um, eye contact, I always tell moms if um, baby opens their eyes and looks at you, you can stop humming and say their name or say hi or just direct, um, just you can talk to them, but continue to try to keep the same volume as the song. Um, but it's really important that you address them and say their name and say hi if they give you that positive reinforcement of eye contact. Um, or any cooing, any positive vocalizations, or snuggling. Um, that's another positive sign um, that they are comfortable, they feel safe, and that they are, um, again, being overstimulated because you're doing a lot, right? You're touching different parts of their body, you're holding them. And then the last part would be vestibular stimulation, and that's rocking. So we're going to start the entire progression over again, but we're going to do it while we're rocking. Um, and there are some NICUs that don't allow rocking before 34 weeks gestational age. Um, so it's always good to check if you want to include rocking. Um, most of the times the, the hospitals will, and the NICUs will tell um, parents if they don't allow it. But yes, total it should be no more than 20 minutes if you're rocking. Um, if you're not rocking, then it's about 10 minutes. And then you put baby back in their crib or you hold them or it's time to feed. And um, if you haven't had any signs of overstimulation, then that's a positive um, and that's a goal met for a music therapy, multimodal stimulation intervention. Wow. Yeah. So that that just helps with, you know, when they're going to be going home and have all that external stimulation then. Yes, absolutely. And even in the NICU, um, it helps as well because NICUs are actually really loud. They say that they're quiet, but they're honestly really loud. Um, and also it's um, research, music therapy research has shown that it's significantly decreased the hospital stay um, for babies who've been born prematurely that have received music therapy services. Um, and so the goal is that they, they get out of the hospital uh, quickly and sooner. And so they're able to go home and thrive. Yeah. And then is that something that a mom can keep up with when she 
comes home with the baby or? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's again, it's a great bonding experience. Um, and then, you know, once the baby is home, uh, definitely use lots and lots of music. If mom has, you know, a favorite song that she likes to listen to, you know, maybe she can do this, this tactile stimulation or this touch progression with her favorite song. Um, being able to incorporate different types of music outside of the NICU it would be really awesome. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, we've, I mean, we're we're not like crazy musical people, but like, I mean, like I said, like we, we really enjoy music. I love it. Um, my husband plays a little bit of guitar here and there. And then uh, I got a keyboard just because <laughs> it was kind of like, well, if you're playing the guitar, like I want to learn how to play an instrument. So we've tried to kind of like really incorporate music into Rosie's life as she's grown. And even when she was in the womb, I would kind of like put music up to my belly and and see if like she would react and be stimulated in that sense. And I think it's it's definitely a bonding experience to like, you know, all the songs that you knew as a kid and then being able to share them with your children, I think, I think is, is really, I don't know, like entertaining in a way and like something that you guys can like bond over, like when they learn songs at school or, or whatnot, like, you know, you know, those songs too, or like you said, like learning the ABCs, like, you know, it's, it's, simple little sounds that um, can make all the difference. Right, absolutely. And a lot of the songs, um, Twinkle Twinkle, ABCs, nursery rhymes, um, again, just have so many educational aspects to them. And I think the sooner that a child is introduced to to music in that way, um, it, they're just further along in, in meeting their developmental milestones. So what do you like most about what you get to do? I love being able to help any person at any walk of life uh, reach their fullest potential through the use of music. So being able to um, help someone communicate their needs or process their emotions or um, you know meet those physical goals is incredibly rewarding to me. And it's, it's incredibly rewarding to see clients that might not progress otherwise or might not be reaching their developmental milestones meet their goals in music therapy. And then, of course, in the NICU, uh, I think I already mentioned it, but being able to see instant results on the, the vitals monitors, I think that's one of the things that I absolutely love uh, to be able to see. Yeah. And what kind of interactions have you been able to have you know, with moms, like with working with their children, how how closely do you get to kind of hear how it's benefiting the mom or 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 the parents and and getting that kind of response? Yeah. Uh, well, in the NICU, um, my hope is that moms will be in there with me, and I'm able to um, to train them on how to do multimodal stimulation. And so they're able to do that even when I'm not there. And then 
you know, I've had times where I'll go back for a session after I've already met with mom and, and she's so excited to say, Hey, we did this. And, you know, I saw no signs of overstimulation and, you know, my baby even, you know, made eye contact with me and was cooing during um, this activity that we were doing. And, and that's really cool to see. And then in my groups and individual sessions, like in my tiny tots class, I have um, some groups that are um, strictly mommy and me classes. And those are classes where, you know, we do some uh, baby sign language. And so babies are able to, you know, sign more or sign eat. And we have lots of songs that um, use signs. And so that's really awesome because I can see, you know, the parent and their child starting to communicate before their child even develops language. Um, you know, I've worked on sign language with babies, you know, eight months old. And so they're signing you know, more when they're eating and I'm seeing mom really understand what they're saying, they want more. And um, so that's really cool being able to work with families and moms in that sense. Is that something that you're still doing now? Is that? Yes, it is. Um, I still have the tiny tots groups and the mommy and me classes, which those are uh, most of the time one and the same. And that's just for like any kids like coming in and yes absolutely it's more of a general music class uh so we're gonna start with you know playing instruments and we'll use sign language and I like to use a lot of visuals um I have a lot of puppets for working on animal sounds and so moms can come as well and um we can do movement to music and so you know I'll have you know, the child sit on mom's lap and they'll be able to move to music together, which is always really fun. I get lots and lots of smiles from that. Yeah, I might have to come check it out with Rosie. Yes, absolutely. It would be really fun. (laughs) Like I said, she really, and I I definitely think like music and dance and stuff, it helps them express more. You know, I think um, she was in daycare for a, a little bit and um they they did a lot like of the sign language and and singing and dancing and stuff and so like I I definitely feel like she developed a little bit through that more easily <laughs> yes and um definitely with um you know I've seen a lot with music therapy or, or music in general with emotional expression Uh, So like I've mentioned with, you know, your child is upset or just seems to be grumpy that day or something, music is such a great avenue for them to be able to let out all of their emotions that they don't know how to communicate. Um, You know, whether we use drumming or we use maracas or the guitar or whatever. Um, And then after, you know, we make some music together, they seem to be in a much better mood and they're um, smiling and laughing and because they they've been they've had that avenue to express themselves and I think that's also really important yeah and I mean that makes it easier for us moms because now you know they can express what what they want and and we can assist them easier and then um that's like a lot of a lot of weight off us that um you know, now we're able to communicate easier with our kids. And I definitely think like the mommy and me 
scenarios are are awesome because then you get to see and bond with your child with music and it's something that you can you know do at home then and and interact with them yes absolutely and I've had times where um, I've had clients that'll come to mommy and me classes and then they go home and they'll tell you know siblings or dad or whoever you know what they did and so they're able to even teach them, you know, maybe they learned a specific sign or something, but they're able to share that with other family members as well. Yeah. What are the most common reasons you like, you see people and and who's your typical client, I guess? Yeah, so um, again, I see people at at every walk of life. But right now, my caseload has a variety of diagnoses or are people with special needs and but each client is different and in my private practice people seek music therapy services because uh, their child loves music and potentially responds better or more accurately to music Um, and so again I see people with with multiple disabilities or even I see um, you know the tiny tots classes or the mommy and me classes where moms just want to bond with their child and, and make music together and and then I see clients who are in other therapies as well, and they're working on those therapeutic goals, and they love music and, and respond really well to music. And so, um, you know, I will see them for a, a music therapy evaluation to see, you know, would they benefit from music therapy services? And then, um, uh, yeah, I think that, and, and in the NICU, most of the time I get referrals from um, from nurses or from other therapists that see the babies in the NICU or even, you know, the doctors, the neonatologists can refer to music therapy services. Um, but also if moms are aware of music therapy services, they can ask the hospital or the NICU if they have a music therapy program um, and they can request music therapy services themselves. Okay. So what hospitals in the in the Greenville area are you kind of working with? So I don't work with hospitals in the Greenville area right now. Um, I would absolutely love to, and I actually have a program proposal ready to go. Um, But when I was ready to present my program proposal in Greenville, it was during the big merge or the big, uh, I guess, um, the Prisma Health and GHS merge. And so I kind of waited on that. There are, there is a music therapy department at Prisma Health in Columbia. Um, the music therapists there are incredible. Um, and so I hope to get back into the NICU and get into the NICU at Prisma here in the upstate. Okay. And then you said you see clients as young as six months. Is that, do you do home visits or they come to you? Yes, both. Um, and I can see clients younger than six months um you know if if they're not in the hospital if they're at home or they want to come to me um I do offer in-home services um but I have a clinic space right off of Woodruff Road um, where clients can come to me as well and that's where we also have our groups as at the clinic space yes and then um there is no age limit and again, because I'm I'm certified to work, you know, with babies, premature infants in the NICU, all the way to the end of life. And so if there's, um, I work with, um, with older adults, 
that are uh, maybe diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's, which is the complete opposite side of of working with babies in the NICU. Um, but I do see clients, individual and group setting in that those type of populations as well. That's fun. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else that you'd like to specifically talk about or something that we didn't cover that you kind of see that's helpful that moms would want to hear about? Um, I mean, if someone is not in South Carolina, again, there are music therapists all over the United States, and there are uh, much bigger music therapy, private practices, clinics, um, even right around us in Georgia and in Florida. So if there are moms in, in other places, not in South Carolina, I would suggest uh, reaching out to find a music therapist. Uh, because there are a lot of private practices like me that offer mommy and me classes or that work in the NICU or, um, you know, provide individual services. And um, to find a music therapist, it's actually pretty easy if you know what you're looking for. So um, our National American Music Therapy Association, our American Music Therapy Association, is um, found at the website musictherapy.org. And you just look on the left side of the website and click on find a therapist. And then you can put in what state you're in and you can find a music therapist that way. Um, And most states have a state organization. We do. Uh, And so if you type in wherever you are, whatever state you're in and music therapist, you're more than likely going to find the state organization's Facebook page or website. And then you can find a music therapist or a private practice in in your area. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll add that in the show notes and okay. and we'll make sure that people can get hooked up with how they can find someone in their area or if they're in the Greenville area, they can definitely get hooked up with you. Yes, absolutely. And I I love networking and we have national conferences and regional conferences. And so I know a lot of music therapists all over United States. And so um, I'd be happy to help anyone find a music therapist if they're in another state. I'd be happy to, to see if I know anyone in that state or to help them find someone. Awesome. And then how can we reach you specifically? Yes, absolutely. Uh, my website is heartstringsmts.com. It's heartstrings as in music therapy services.com. And um, there is a contact page on my website, and that comes uh, specifically to my email, which is the easiest way to reach me is my email and through my website. You can also find me, um, which is, a, I guess, another point to make is I partner with the Gold Strip School of Music in Greenville, South Carolina. And they offer music lessons in uh, any instrument that you can think of. And um, my information is also on their website. And if anyone is looking for music lessons, they have incredible music teachers uh, there as well. And their website is goldenstripmusicschool.com. Awesome. Are you on social media at all? I am. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for asking. Uh, I am, my Facebook is Heartstrings Music Therapy Services, LLC, as well as Instagram. 
I most of my information on is on Facebook though. I am still trying to figure out Instagram. I do have a couple of posts uh, on Instagram, but on Facebook, actually, um, if you're curious about what a Tiny Top music class or even um, you know a Mommy and Me class um, last year during the the lockdown or whatever we had, um, I actually did quite a few Facebook Live groups. Um, and that was for anyone to join. And we did two groups a week. So the first group was our rock and roll music class. And that's going to look a lot like a Tiny Tots class or a Mommy and Me class. We played instruments. We did movement to music. And it was really fun. It was in my house. And we just did a Facebook Live. And I had, you know, my clients and then family members. And uh, whoever wanted to join was welcome to join. Uh, for those events and then those were on Tuesdays and then on Fridays we did songbook story time and I shared some of my most favorite songbooks and that was also another Facebook live event and they're still up on my Facebook and the rock and roll music sessions are about 30 minutes and then the songbook story time are typically about 15 minutes um, but I would really encourage people to go and and watch those if you want to get an idea of some types of groups that I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited. I'm going to watch them. And yes, <laughs> please do. And, and I will have a little jam sesh in the living room or something. Perfect. That would be awesome. <laughs> Let me know uh, how, how it goes. Yeah. This has been amazing. I honestly, I wasn't sure you know, diving into this, what to expect, but I am, I'm so happy that we had this conversation and I feel like I learned so much and, you know, you know, music on the surface level is, is great, but when you can use it to, to help with motor skills and, and everything else, I think that's, that's just so eye-opening and so amazing that, uh, you know, like I said, it's just so needed and such a unique way to, to help with those things. So, so thank you so much for what you do and, and taking the time to tell us and explain to us what goes on in the NICU with music therapy and, you know, just outside of that and how we can help, you know, our kids communicate with us and, and express their, their feelings and emotions and such. So thank yes, you. Yes. Thank you for having me. I, absolutely love talking about what I do and and I could talk for days and days and and so being able to advocate for music therapy is really special for me and and connect and network and uh, be able to to help in any way that I can so thank you again for having me well this wraps up yet another episode of entering motherhood I hope that you have found this episode helpful and if you liked it please share it with others who might also benefit from this information if there's anything that you'd like to know more about or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show please visit my website enteringmotherhood.com I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience